When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to India on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Nikesh Raghani, host of this particular podcast, journalist, broadcaster and commentator based in the UK. And my co-host, Sarah Waris, journalist for Wisden over in India. Today we'll be discussing the Indian women's T20 series against England, another defeat. What went wrong for them? Do they rely too much on their batting order at the top. And when the top three or four fail, it always seems uh, an uphill task. We'll discuss their fielding as well. There were improvements in the second game and then some of those same mistakes with the ball and in the field just creeping up on them once again. And we'll also have a look at uh, the Supreme Court's decision regarding the BCCI leadership later on in the show as well. India on 99.94 is your new home for India content and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube and the 99.94 app up to three times a week. So thank you for joining Cricket's Conversation. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. It's been raining here non-stop for the last three, four days. So yeah, just... Raining, but it's probably still quite warm, right? No, it's become... A little cold. Well, warm for, yeah. for us, if we were coming over yeah. from the yeah. UK. How, how many degrees are we talking? Uh, 28, 29, pretty cool. See what I mean? That's that cool. Yeah. God. Yeah, I, I wish it was 28, 29 here. It's, it's kind of dropping. I think the forecast says today that for the first time since the 1st of June, it's going to drop to below 20 degrees. So we, we've had a really good summer. Uh, as you know, I was complaining about the, the heat wave that we had previously when it was sort of late 30s touching 40 and uh yeah we're back into back into the autumn sunshine at the moment it's quite crisp it's quite cold it's not raining today here where i am in in the midlands so that's the good news but yeah the cricket season is is firmly coming to an end and it's strange really that an international series is taking place at this time of the year mid september uh, and we're just halfway through India's white ball tour against England women. And they lost the T20 series last night, losing that third and deciding match to lose the series 2-1. They did so well to come back after being thumped in the first game. Then they went and, and absolutely thrashed England in the second game. Obviously, it's gone with the chasing side each time. But that doesn't really tell the full story, does it? Because yesterday... Once again, India with a, a really below par total batting first. You, you can't score below 145 really and, and expect, uh, even in this day and age, even in these conditions, to win more often than not. And, and once again, they were just light with the bat, weren't they? Batted first, top four, all failed, all low single-figure scores. They were 35 for five in the 10th over and you know did well to come back from that but it was just another one of those nights where we we've seen it all before haven't we 
Yeah, and the reliance on, I won't really say top four, I would say just on Smriti Mandana is huge. Like even in the Commonwealth Games semi-final against England, it was a Mandana show. And um, you just throw back your mind to, you know, all the wins that India have had. Most of them have been led by Mandana. So when she fails, uh, is just, you know, the pressure is so much on the other players. And yeah, you, you spoke about top four. I'm just saying that if Mandana fails, it's just, uh, it's almost game lost for India, which is, you know, saying a lot about the Indian team and also saying a lot about Mandana at the age of 25-26 to have, you know, cemented that place in the side where, you know, if she uh, gets going, chances of India winning are more. So, you know, it's just unfortunate, but also shows the class of Mandana. It does indeed. And and yeah, they, they have relied a lot on her at the top of the order in recent times. But, you know, just looking at that top four and, and particularly three out of the top four in this series, but then when Jemmy Rodriguez comes back in uh, to bat at number three, hopefully, then, then that does look still like a solid top four, doesn't it? And obviously with Jemmy, the way she's been playing through the Commonwealth Games, and then she picked up her injury and had to miss out on most of the, the 100 season and obviously this series. But she, another key player, which they are missing at the top of that order. Shafali's not quite fired, but we all know about her quality when she does click uh, although she's she's not really done it for a while there's there's not been a half century in in recent memory at all and Harman Breit as well you know that there, there is that quality in the top four but that there's not a lot in that middle order and I know they've tried to uh, put in Kiran Navgira early on in the series and you know that didn't quite work out the way they wanted uh, maybe they were batting her out of position maybe she needs to come in higher up and, and bat in the power play and, and come in at number three with that vacant spot going in this side. Um, you know, they went with Megna yesterday at number three. You look down at number five onwards and there's not really a lot of firepower. I mean, Hemlata was down at number five yesterday. They've tried her at number three. They seem to be juggling about. They're not quite sure. Just It's basically one player injured and it's called, caused all yeah. sorts of chaos in terms of how they approach things and, and how their batting order looks on paper. And, and it shouldn't be like that, but it just shows the, the lack of quality in depth in the Indian cricket squad at the moment. Yeah. Uh, also, one thing, like you spoke about the top four being relatively stronger, but I just dug up some stats, you know, and they just left me um, very surprised. So... And I went back till 2019 to, you know, show that it's not a recent trend. It's been uh, plaguing Indian cricket for a while now. So in this period, Smriti Mandana has averages 32, has a strike rate of 130. Shafali Varma averages 23, strike rate of 137. Gemma Rodriguez 28 and strike rate of 102. And Harman Preet got 26 and a strike rate of 110. So, you know, other than Mandana, no one else has averaged 30 and has a strike rate of 130, which, you know, is telling on the other batters in the side also. Uh, probably, you know, it's a one-off, like, okay, one match, Harman Preet scores a 50, but it's rarely been a team effort that all of them have combined 
the top four have consistently been doing doing well. It's only Mandana, you know, who's been the consistent pillar in the side. So yeah, like these names are Harman Preet Kaur, Shafali, Jemma Rodriguez. There are big names, but they have not been consistent enough for the Indian team. Like as much as they would have liked. So um, yeah, so you know, if the top four is only not consistent enough, then the middle order, which um, has all these newcomers and, you know, they've been constantly chopping and changing the batting order. So it just, you know, adds pressure on the team. If, you know, the set players, set players as in players like Mandana and Harman Treat and all who will be in the 11, uh, don't do, uh, except Mandana, like the others, they are not doing that well. So it's just um, very... Um, like, you can't expect the lower middle order to, you know, then be consistent enough if the senior players are um, not consistent. Yeah, and it it really needs one of those others or, or a couple of those others to step up more consistently. You're right, because we, we do see the odd flash of, of brilliance from one of them other than Smriti, but then it's it never translates itself through a whole series. I mean, they, they tend to step up, don't they, as we mentioned in world tournaments, in, in the last two major global tournaments in T20 cricket, they've reached the final both times. They've lost to Australia both times. And and it is a, a great Australia team, arguably the greatest team of all time. So, you know, there's there's no shame in their performances in tournaments. But you never go into a tournament. You never go into those big games, even when they do manage to beat the likes of England sometimes in those tournaments and, and other big teams there's never that real air of confidence going into these games against the bigger sides. It's always, they find a way somehow to get things done. It's almost like the Indian men's team of the nineties, where, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of reliance on one batter back then it was Sachin. If, if Sachin doesn't perform, India won't perform. And, and quite often Sachin did perform, but India still didn't perform because in 50 over cricket and in test cricket, like it was back then, he could get a hundred, but if the rest of them fail, then it just wasn't good enough, and and they just lost more matches than they won as a result of that. And there was the odd bit of brilliance, and there was the odd, you know, series win and an ODI series win and Sharjah series win against the odds, really, when they were going in with like three or four medium paces and just getting the job done. Just everything clicked. Sometimes the fielding clicked, which is another big thing we'll get onto with the women's team in a moment, but. There was never that air of confidence with the Indian men's team in the 90s going into those big matches to get those big results. And and it's the same with the women's team now. They, they've got some quality players. They've got one absolute world beater and, you know, three or four world level players who just aren't performing at that level. And then the bowling seems to be sort of hashed together a little bit. Yeah, one more bit on the batting is that, uh, you know, since 2019, there have been a total... Smriti Mandana alone has scored 1150s and all the other batters combined have scored 1050s, you know, which again is just showing how dependent they are on Mandana. Like one player has scored more 50s than the, all the other batters combined. So, um, yeah, it's just absurd, yeah. It is. I mean, you know, they're, they're batting trials and tribulations of, you know, we, we've talked about that quite a bit and 122 for eight in the end, uh, was was what they made. And, and that was only really, I mentioned there were 35 for five. It was only really thanks to 
Dipti Sharma with 24 from 25. Again, you know, she's not that big hitter in the middle order, but she had that role to play yesterday where she needed to rebuild and just knock it around and spend time at the crease. And she did her job well. And, and that is when she is useful useful in situations such as that. And then Richard Gosh, we've talked about her so often. Maybe she should have been batting higher up the order, but, you know, coming in and hitting 33 of 22 in a situation like that, and then Bujavastraka as well with 19 from 11. So that really those three contributions uh, got them up to that total, which wasn't really competitive, was below par. England would have always fancied their chances, um, but it wasn't to be. Um, but, you know, at least at least there was something on the board. At least they got into the 120s. It wasn't a complete embarrassment. But then comes the bowling and the fielding. And just before we discuss the bowling and the fielding, we, we need to take a deep breath because frustrating once again. Uh, but just a reminder, you are listening to Cricket's Conversation here on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on this podcast, on the podcast feed uh, that you usually subscribe to uh, on YouTube and the 99.94 app at the moment. Uh, we are adding new shows as well to this as well. But at the moment, we have India, England, South Africa, West Indies and Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way to follow us is via 9994DM. So no dots on that one on social media. And by downloading the 99.94 app on uh, or Google, just Google us, 99.94, the podcast. We speak cricket and we're here for you several times a week. Right, the fielding, the bowling, I mean, let's start with England's batters as well. They're missing a couple of key personnel, like we mentioned, Heather Knight and uh, Nat Siver, you know, two extremely experienced batters, World Cup winners, uh, you know, world-class players. But they don't seem to have a problem filling those voids, unlike India, if they were to have a couple of their major players out, it, it would just look like chaos, wouldn't it? They'd, they'd be just patching a side together, really. But Sophia mm-hmm. Dunkley... And Danny Wyatt opening up the innings and uh, a 70 partnership, really, in the first. uh, It was just under 10 overs when they lost their first wicket. But a 70 partnership in a low run chase like that in decent time, in, you know, not the easiest conditions as well. It was kind of done and dusted at that point, wasn't it? And and India didn't really look like a, a side when they stepped out onto the field who could you know, make early inroads, who could make a match of this. There was no energy. There was no enthusiasm. It's difficult to lift yourself when you've made 122 and your bowlers are probably thinking, oh, you know, these batters again, leaving us with a low total. But it's an international match. You, you've got to go out there with at least in the first couple of overs, just with that little bit of buzz and that little bit of early enthusiasm to try and make those early breakthroughs. And the body language was all wrong and 70 partnership, they played really well, Dunkley and Wyatt, but it, it just kind of broke the back of the chase. And it was it was always catch up from there on in, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, the fielding yesterday was below par in the second oh, uh, T20. We saw a few very good catches by Radha Yadav. So, you know, again, we spoke about this earlier. It's not that they can't do it. They can't lift themselves up and show that they are here to compete. But it's just so inconsistent. I just read a tweet a few uh, moments ago, which I found so relevant. Like the Indian men's team, they keep on disappointing in world events, but they win the bilaterals. 
and it's the complete opposite with the women's team like they keep going down in bilaterals and then you know surprise surprise everyone in world events and it's just so frustrating even the bowling you spoke about uh more than that you know is the selections which i wonder they are so weird like yesterday india went in with uh, nine batters but then you know if with nine batters you still score 122 so you know why not have a few extra specialist bowlers in the side and also you know where is punam yadav like indian team right now does not have a leg spinner forget in the 11 in the entire squad which you know uh, they are just one dimensional bowling attack there is no variations there punam punam yadav was ranked number 1 in the world also for the longest time uh, she's done well in world events when india have gone on to reach the semi finals or the finals so you know where is punam yadav it's always like suddenly the indian team have discarded her like shikha pande and it's like we have no updates she's played one t20i this year against new zealand i think three or four last year so it's just you know and in the women's t20 challenge it's not that she didn't do bad uh, she didn't do yeah she didn't do badly she did well she picked up a couple of wickets so it's just you know the entire setup and the entire structure of the indian women's team sometimes just seems so bizarre so it's way one dimensionally in the bowling they lack that penetration at times and it's probably also because of lack of depth in the side so and lack of options so yeah talking about the fielding as well i mean look rather yadav is is one of the best fielders in the world and she made a couple of decent saves yesterday as well she she was the only one actually towards i suppose the middle of the innings where when she was bowling and uh you know doing really well to to restrict the runs and she bowled that maiden over of course and she she made the breakthrough uh, with the wicket as well uh, in her final over at that point look when when england started to lose those couple of wickets there there was a slight opportunity the door was just ajar you know maybe not quite had their foot in the door maybe just their little toe at that point but you know from 70 without loss then they were 70 for 1 72 for 2 79 for 3 and england still needed just over a run of ball which right it's quite straightforward in modern t20 cricket but with the pressure on with new batters in it was cold it was difficult conditions uh, to to you know go out there and just immediately get yourself going uh, as a batter as well so there was that slight opportunity and look Alice Capsey played beautifully she's one of the most exciting young cricketers in the world at the moment 38 not out of 24 to see England home in the end six boundaries in that innings as well not all six boundaries were convincing and there was that lofted catch wasn't there out there towards deep extra cover it was hemlata running around to it this was well before capsy was on 38 i think england's required run rate was still in the sevens at that point and had they got capsy at that point that would have been another wicket bouchier down at number 6 has to come in and and reset and restart the innings you know she's a decent player not quite of the class of Alice Capsi yet so it would have been more difficult for England to to chase down those runs ultimately and India could have taken it even deeper than they eventually managed to do but just it just kind of summed things up really hemlata all right she might not be the best fielder 
in the world. But it was just a poor, awkward effort. She kind of ran across to her right to get to the ball. It was skied in the air, in case you haven't seen it. And she got both hands to it. It kind of flicked her fingers, one bounce, four. But it didn't look as though she was really trying to get there. She almost shocked herself that she managed to cover the ground and get there. The run around to her right was almost like just showing everyone that she's making an effort to get to the ball. I don't think she expected to get there. She wasn't running full pelt. She managed to get there, and and it just kind of sums everything up, really. It, there wasn't a hundred percent in the field, and and there wasn't just that. It was they were knocking balls to fielders a inside the ring, and these are fielders not on the edge of the ring. These are fielders well inside, saving the single. They're not on the edge of the ring, allowing the single at the back end of the innings and and just stopping the twos. But they were taking singles to fielders who were like, you know, 10 or 15 yards away from them. And there were fumbles. There were fumbles in the outfield as well. The the players weren't attacking the ball on the outfield as well. You're, You're taught as a modern day cricketer, if you're fielding out on the on the boundary, the ball comes straight to you. Yeah, sometimes it's hit hard, but they weren't hit extremely hard a lot of these balls hit along the ground quite easy to come in attack the ball and look for the run out or stop the second at least and they were just allowing easy twos out there when the ball's going straight to a fielder on the boundary rope not the biggest boundaries at Bristol as well by the way tiny little ground it was just ridiculous really and and the fact that they if they didn't make those petty petty errors in the field they could have probably won this game. And it just goes to show how talented this Indian side could be, that even defending 122, they could do it if they just did the basics right. You know, the, the bowling is good enough, but they're, they're just constantly let down in the field time and time and time again. And then that leads to frustration with the bowlers, bowling full tosses and, and all that kind of stuff comes into it a little bit later towards the end of the innings, which was frustrating to see, but it was kind of done and dusted by then. So, yeah, it just just sums up Indian women's cricket at the moment, just lack of discipline, lack of fight, lack of consistency. Yeah. And uh, where's where's John T. Rhodes' number? Just just get him on. Yeah. Get, him, get him to sort these girls out. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, more than anything, I feel... It's a lack of intensity. Like, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. Is I hope the players are motivated enough to, you know, be there. Because we have seen on occasions that the feeling is brilliant. So it's not that they can't do it. So I think something is pulling them down. You know, is it lack of motivation or is it, you know, just not being charged up enough to play these bilaterals and you know in world events they have a bigger point to prove that if they do well women's cricket in India will you know uh, grow even more etc so is is it any of that again I said I'm hoping it's neither of these reasons but it just seems that you know it's something uh, internal which is just preventing them from giving it probably the 120% on their field because at this level, even a hundred percent is not good enough. You you know you have to sometimes go out of your skin, play out of your skin to in internationals and forget hundred percent. They're not even eighty percent there. So um, more than anything, yeah, you can get get in these fitness trainers and all. It will help, but probably you know seeing them again and again and making the same mistakes again and again. I 
yeah it's just probably something you know mm, internal is the ma- management not doing enough to you know keep these girls motivated or charge them enough or- here's a question for you here's a question for you based on all that then uh, are we do we expect too much from this indian women's side because indian women's cricket hasn't been invested in that well over the years at all compared to england and australia and we we talk about the big 3 in men's cricket don't we in india this superpower they're expected to win everything every tournament they enter if they don't win it's a failure it wasn't quite like that back in the 90s and, and before that it was like okay we we'll go up if we can reach the the knockout stages we'll be happy if we can beat pakistan we'll be happy you know it was it was that kind of attitude at tournaments are we because of the success of the men's team expecting too much from the women's side and not just the success of the men's team but the the overachievement of the women's team as well in in recent years making the 50 over world cup final the t20 world cup final the commonwealth final are we are we just expecting too much of them given the fact that the bcci doesn't hasn't cared about them for so many years yeah. it's kind of like they pay a lot of lip service to them in recent times because of the success that they've had but on the ground still you you can see what you mentioned about the tv broadcasters last time as well there's just not real that real love and investment from the country into the women's team are we are we expecting too much of them when they step out against sides like england or or should we expect that given the quality of players that are on show yeah i think it's both i think there is like we are not wrong to expect what we do because despite all these obstacles they have shown that you know in world stages that they are among the best teams so it's not wrong to expect them to do that consistently in bilaterals also where the pressure is so much more lesser so it's not that you know uh, they can't do it it's 2017 was not a one off they reached the semis in 2018 2020 they reached the finals then okay they had that one um they were eliminated early in the 50 over world cup this year but then they came back and reached the semi um, finals sorry the finals of the commonwealth games so it's not that you know we are hopelessly expecting them to suddenly turn into uh, world beaters in one night they have showed that they can do it but yes on the other hand you know comments like women uh, from gangli saying that uh, women are not allowed uh, should not play cricket etc etc are um, yeah probably we are expecting a lot because if the administrators have that kind of uh, mindset towards the team and towards women's cricket overall uh, it just shows you know probably our expectations should be toned out toned down a little bit with no women's ipl uh, probably it's a case of you know what they are doing is beyond what we expected so just take it and yeah there will be the odd failures but then as an indian cricket fan you know we are just greedy for the wins and we they have shown it so you know i think it's a mix of both uh you're you're you greedy under- your generation is greedy if you you, yeah. you started watching cricket a little bit later didn't you in life and post or what was it 2011 around that time or maybe just before that but 2007 seven, 2020 world seven. cup 7 okay well that the t20 world cup was great the 50 yep. over world <laughs> cup wasn't great that year with greg chapel and all that stuff with the the senior players and that era coming to an end as well but 
trust me, there have been a lot of disappointments over the years. And the expectancy has always been there. It's, it's not like India didn't expect to do well back in those days. Even I remember the 99 World Cup, uh, you know, which was in England and I was a little kid and it was quite exciting that it was over here and all the Indians were coming over and Tendulkar was part of that side. And there was huge expectation around the side, but realistically, when and there was disappointment, of course, when they got knocked out in the Super Sixes to New Zealand. And, you know, I was in tears as a, as a little kid. I, I couldn't believe it. But when you look on the face of it, they weren't as good as any of those semi-finalists. And, I mean, you, you particularly look at three sides in that tournament and South Africa were the favourites by far, such a brilliant ODI side, but chokers, you know, that famous tag. So they ended up not making the final. That great Australia side just at the start of, of that period of dominance under Steve Waugh. And then Pakistan... I mean, they they were blessed with uh, a little bit of consistency back then in that tournament, which was quite strange. But you look at the players they had. In, forget the starting eleven, even just sitting in the dressing room, who weren't even picked in the side, likes of Wakar Yunis, etc. It, it was. You you then look back and you think, okay, we we just weren't as good as those other sides. So you know, it's it's probably where we deserve to finish in the tournament. Uh, even New Zealand, who went on to the semis as well, were a more rounded side. Everyone knew their roles and, and they were together for a long time and all that kind of stuff. So now it's very different. The expectation is that we have got all the best players in the world. We can beat anybody at any time in any conditions. It's not always the case, of course, and, and you have won a tournament, a major tournament since 2013, an ICC event, um, so that that is an issue, but you're right. the The expectation might need to be reined in a touch. But when you have got quality players in the side, it's uh, and the fact that they have performed to the level they have in global tournaments, that I, I think that expectation is still going to be there. So, so next up for the India women is the uh, ODI series against England that starts on Sunday. Uh, so it's like. I think the series finishes on the 24th of September, which is very, very late in England for cricket season. So uh, I don't think the conditions are going to get any easier. It's going to get a lot cooler over the next uh, week or so here in England as well. So, uh, yeah, good luck to them in that ODI series. And and hopefully they can give us uh, something more to cheer about with uh, with a couple of victories in that and another series victory, which will be much needed for them. Yeah, I have one more point to add to, you know, you spoke about the expectations and all. Uh, what, like, what I also feel is that they have the talent to do well, but it's just, you know, some somewhere the management or something, they're just making a mess of team selections, of, you know, not selecting the right players. So it's like players like Richa Ghosh, yesterday she... Scored 33 in 22, strike rate of 150. She wasn't even in the Commonwealth Games squad. So, you know, and uh, yes, uh, yesterday, or, or I think it was the second T20I, uh, Anya Shrapsol, who is uh, Mandana's teammate in the 100, she was uh, on she was in commentary in the Test Match special. So, she was saying that, you know, uh, Mandana expressed how shocked she was that Richa Ghosh wasn't selected in the squad for the Commonwealth Games. So, you know, that just shows um, somewhere it's the mindset or I don't know what what the selectors are thinking in making these uh, changes or, you know, picking players. Even Kiran Navgire, a few episodes ago, I spoke about, you know, how I want her to get an extended run. Uh, 
because you know what i feel is she has that build you know she has the muscles to be a power hitter lower down the order no no one else in the indian team probably except harman preet kaur have that kind of you know power to be a six hitter so i feel navgire could have been that you know just you know muscle russell type of a player in the team you know what i'm uh, what i yeah. mean uh, yeah so you know that's why the expectations are there because the players are there we know that you know there is shikha pandey suddenly being discarded for no reason but it's just somehow the internal functionings of the team is just uh, no one knows why and then that's why they keep failing Yeah, well, hopefully they don't fail in in the ODI series, and and we can have uh, some success to talk about. We wish them well yeah. ahead of that series. Um, just before we go, we go, we are going to talk about Saurav Ganguly in just a second. Uh, you mentioned his name there, uh, but just another reminder that if you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the ninety nine point nine four app, and you can hear all our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series. from all over the world be the first to hear all our announcements by following us on social media at 9994dm welcome to cricket's conversation right then final part of our conversation today sorov ganguly jay shah tenure coming to an end eventually as uh, as what what do we call them top dogs at the bcci the bosses the palas mm. whatever you want to call them <laughs> but supreme court has got involved and they obviously had this new legislation in place for it was it the loda committee initially yeah yep the loda committee the loda committee obviously after the corruption allegations and all that stuff that happened in indian cricket uh, a few years ago the the regulations were changed um and you know the the terms that these presidents and and honorary secretaries etc could serve uh we're only capped at a certain period of time now they've petitioned the supreme court to reverse that decision and it looks like sort of ganguly and jay shah or or one or the other or both or whatever could be eligible for re-election for another term as well so we we could see this dynasty go on and on sara just explain the details around that and and the timeline if if you've got those details. Yeah, so I have it written down. So the BCCI was under the Supreme Court for 33 years after the 2013 sport fixing scandal. The Supreme Court set up the Lodha committee which you know was uh, set up to look into the inner workings of the BCCI and to recommend changes to remove corruption. etc etc and one such change which they introduced was the cooling of period for the bcci administrators the cooling of period was that you know uh, so initially what was suggested was that a bcci office bearer could only hold office at either the state or the bcci level for a period of 3 years after 3 years he uh, there was a cooling of period for another 3 years which meant that uh he could not hold office in either the state association or the bcci um this was for 3 years uh 
and this was introduced to remove the monopoly that existed in the BCCI because the Lodha committee felt that, you know, these corruption charges, they emerge more because of, uh, you know, one person being in charge for a long time. So it's so that way. Uh, later, the terms change uh, where an administration could hold post for six years, three years at the state and three years uh, in the BCCI, and after which there would be a cooling off period which was to follow. So according to this, uh, Ganguly, uh, he was the CAB, which is a cricket association of Bengal. Uh, he was with them since 2014. So his like his uh, tenure was to end in 2020, six years. After that, he would have had a cooling period of uh, three years. Same with Jaisha, he was a cricketer, so uh, Gujarat pre- president since 2014, and his cooling period would begin from 2020. Uh, but the BCCI, they wanted this whole thing to change and they wanted the officials to have a longer run. Uh, as a result, they took this to the Supreme Court. And now as it stands, it's that the Supreme Court has allowed a, BC, uh, a BCCI official to hold post for six years. So uh, after which there will be a cooling period and he ca- uh, they can hold post for another six years in the state association. So there'll be a total of 12 years. After that, there'll be a cooling period for three years. I hope I was like, I explained that very well explained yeah so I I I got all that I mean it's kind of there and and you see it in the news and it flashes up now and again but you know a lot of people won't have sort of seen what the Lauda committee implemented back then Uh, so you know it's it's good to have a refresher and and that's basically what has happened now I mean look the they're eligible for re-election so they they will have to be re-elected if they are to continue their tenure at the BCCI, some might say that's a formality. Um, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories going on regarding how these things are done. And unless we're in the room, we don't know, uh, or unless we're in, in the building and, and working for the organisation and, and closely monitoring these happenings, we, we can't say for sure. So we'll refrain from from commenting on that. But what I will say is that the BCCI, should they be desperate to keep these two they done anything special during their tenure in charge? I, I mean, you hop back to to maybe the team's results, and you know they they could leave a legacy, I suppose, of oh, we created the women's IPL and and brought that to fruition. But they've delayed it also for six years or five years at least. Um, you know, should have had it back in 2017, probably after that World Cup final. Um, that was the time to do it, and and they haven't. They've been around a fair bit. Ganguly and Jay Shah and you know the men's team again haven't won a single ICC tournament under their tenure yeah they've they've done well in test cricket but you know could they have done better maybe and and not that they're responsible for all the results on the field but they're the ones who create the environment they pick the selectors they pick all the the management around the team the head coaches all that kind of stuff. So so they are responsible. They're responsible for domestic cricket as well and, and just overseeing the whole of Indian cricket. So ultimately, you know, it's it's their head that should roll if Indian cricket was to be a failure, for example. And 
it might not be a failure at the moment, but have they done anything special, do you think? I mean, I'd say no. I'd say I'd welcome a fresh pair of eyes or, or, you know, more than one set of eyes to, to come in and take over and see, you know, what they can do in terms of taking Indian cricket to the next level. Yeah, I'll just give a few incidents and people are free to judge if they've done um, as expected or not. Women's cricket, they did not play a single match from 2020 till 2021. Uh, the excuse given was uh, because of COVID. When the men's team, they played the IPL, they went to Australia in the same period. Uh, then, you know, the whole captaincy mess, it was uh, Jaisha was one day he's saying that uh, we have not asked Kohli to step down. The second day, uh, he's like, we can't have multiple captains. Gangli saying the same. So, you know, the whole captaincy mess was uh, Gangli and Jaisha both having different comments at different times. Um, then there was Gangli attending the selection meetings, which, you know, according to the Lodha committee, it was decided that uh, the president would not al- attend selection meetings because of, you know, that conflict of interest angle and all. But he was attending um, selection meetings for the longest time. And then it was uh, like there were a few posts which were which came up, a few old pictures from 2019. And after that, you know, he came up and said that he's never attended meetings and all, which again, you know, we had the proof. So he had no reason to deny it. And... Yeah, just the whole women's cricket boom, uh, on a chat show publicly coming out and saying that if his daughter w- wanted to become a women's cricketer, he would say women crick- oh, women don't really play cricket. So, you know, all these things just, um, yeah, it's, it's for interesting people to that, judge. But, I mean, yeah. the, the fact that they've they've both lied. I mean, it's a bit like yeah. Boris Johnson here in the UK. He eventually... <laughs> After so many lies, after lies, after lies, after lies, which he denied, by the way, same way these guys are doing. But, you know, everybody knew they were true. There was evidence, all that. Eventually got ousted as as prime minister, only very recently. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of a similar situation where these people in high-powered positions just, just feel that they can just blatantly lie. Everybody knows they're lying. There's often evidence to suggest that they're lying. But they'll just go along with it. They're almost living in their own world, aren't they, these people? And they need to be reined in. I'd, to me, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to slander anyone or, or anything like that, but it just seems like the, the Lord Our Committee have put in these recommendations. Maybe the corruption mm. aspect of it has, has moved out to an extent. But in terms of the looking after your own and, you know, that that kind of clique. It's a very closed shop, the BCCI, and you pat my back, I'll pat yours kind of thing, and they all look after each other at the top. And is that it's, – it's not really working in the benefit of Indian cricket. You know what I hate? I, I hate the fact that they are the way they are, and then that filters down to every single person who yeah. works for them in the organisation, down to the team's media managers and the the – you know, tour managers and all that kind of stuff, that all they will do is spout rules at you and spout regulations. Mm. And, you know, they talk in the same language and it's, it's as in not yeah. Hindi or English or anything, uh, you know, just the way they speak. 
it's, it's all the same. And you can tell that it's just been passed down right from the top, right from Ganguly, Jay Shah, more often Jay Shah, you would imagine. And then it go, it filters down to all their staff. And as a result, the journalists like us, commentators, broadcasters, we don't have great relations. You know, like I get on with yeah, Mullin, yeah. who's the Indian men's media manager, on a personal level. Um, but the relationship should be a lot better between people like him and the entire staff, really, of, of you know, all, all the journalists that attend games. And you look at somebody like Danny Rubin, who's the England men's media manager. He's the best media manager in the world, mm. I would say, in, in all sports that I've ever covered. And so many journalists around the world from all these different countries have ever had to deal with him will say the same. The communication is great. That's that's one thing. The BCCI is terrible at communicating anything, anything. Half the time, they probably don't even know themselves, but they need to get that in order. They need to communicate better with us, the journalists, and the fans in terms of injuries and squads and timings of announcements and all that kind of stuff. It needs to be done better. That That's first and foremost. And then that there's no trust between the journalists, the, the broadcasters, yeah. the, the media and the BCCI as a result of all that. And the relationship always seems strained. And I'm not just talking about Indian media. You could talk to the English cricket media contingent and they will slag off the BCCI <laughs> so often just because of the way yeah. they deal with stuff. And it's just not professional. And you've got all that money. You've got all that clout. You're the most powerful cricket board in the world. Just add a bit of professionalism, guys, and and that comes from the top. And if that comes from people like Ganguly, who is used to living that life from when he grew up and everything being done for him, and he's now a servant of Indian cricket. Yeah, he might be yeah. president, but he's a servant, just like the Queen Queen Elizabeth II was was a servant to Great Britain and the Commonwealth. You know, in the same way, yeah. you know, it's a life of service they call it, don't they? When you're at that level in the royal family it's the same when you're the president of a cricket organization for the most powerful cricket nation in the world and effectively world cricket really you know it's you're almost a servant of world cricket by default if you're in charge of the bcci they're not interested in being servants they don't seem Ew. interested in doing the greater good for indian cricket first and foremost and then for the rest of world cricket they, they yeah. just seem in it for themselves and and that filters down and that creates that distrust between the media and the BCCI. So maybe it's time for change. Yeah, at least a few uh, years ago, at the selectors after making, uh, you know, after selecting a th- team, there would be press conferences or at least, you know, even address two, three people and uh, tell them why a player was selected, not selected. Now suddenly out of the blue, we get to know from sources that uh, Pumra is injured apparently, no update and suddenly he's back in the squad. We get to know more about the players and, you know, how they're doing from the Instagram profiles than the BCCI handles. Like if you just go through, still there are a few updates in the men's side, but if you just go through, you know, the women's uh, uh, Twitter handle, the Indian women's cricket uh, team Twitter handle, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a happy birthday kind of a 
post like happy birthday this player happy birthday that player every day is just one happy birthday post for one uh, one player the other there's no updates uh, a few days ago i think before the start of the series there were these very amateurish photos which were clicked and put up you know obviously from someone's phone it was very evident and uh, it's just you know they don't even have the scope to send a professional video videographer or you know photographer with the team so it's just you know just the very basics and just be happy with the basics because uh, yeah they know that indian media indian fans are starved for content but they don't care they're like just uh, just yesterday i was thinking of you know how the pakistan cricket board and if you just go through their twitter handle they have such nice videos and clips and you know just of all games not only international even the national t20 cup so we get to know what's going on in the uh, right to the grassroots but with the bcci it's like if you post even one uh, video then you're going to just get a copyright you know strike that, and, do you know where that started yeah. though from from pakistan with uh you know just their their whole media setup and making everything more visible more accessible as well because they show games on youtube from their yeah. national competitions free of charge and and all that you know every game and, and then they'll even show like random not even the national t20 cup but it'd be like real lower level yeah. stuff you know like youth cricket and stuff like that and it's all available uh, for free on YouTube, and it's done, you know, pretty professionally. Actually, it's not quite, you know, international cricket standards of of filming and stuff, but it's it's pretty decent. You know, it's not just a dodgy YouTube feed. It's it's decent stuff. It's better than some of the county cricket streams that you get as well. That all started from Wasim Khan, who you know, again came over from Birmingham in the UK and and went to Pakistan and he wasn't accepted as an outsider even though he's from Pakistani descent um and eventually was driven out and Samuel Hassan he brought in from the ICC who is Pakistani but was the ICC's media manager and then went back to Pakistan as director of their media and that partnership worked really well because they brought in two professionals to do you know one was the yeah. CEO he was a very professional guy wanted to make everything professional and the other guy had been doing it for the ICC and, and was on that kind of level. If you look at Indian cricket, I, I'm not, dis, you know, I'm not disagreeing with any of the people they've hired. I don't know who they've, who works for their video departments and, you know, who makes these decisions about which series to cover and stuff, but it, there's just no interest. It's like, it's a throwback to how the first time I went to India, for example, in the nineties as a kid, and there was it still, it wasn't the modern India of today, but it was like the rich are rich and the poor are poor. There's nothing in between. There's no middle class. And the rich just look after themselves. And this isn't about a money thing, but this is about the powerful looking after mm-hmm. themselves and their positions. And the powerful in, in this instance are Ganguly and, and Jay Shah. And look, I love Saurav Ganguly for everything that he's done for Indian cricket as well. I just put that out there. He's an absolute legend and, you know, one of my favorite players of all time, but as a president of the BCCI, I don't see the benefit. And then also, you know, just on a final note, right. Cause we are getting on for time a little bit. When you talk BCCI and the formalities and the lack of, you know, just including the media and, and that relationship being strained and stuff. Yeah. There are certain journalists who, you know, speak highly mm. of the BCCI, but sometimes it's it's because they feel that they have to basically ask Lick to to get further or whatever. 
And some yeah. might genuinely have a good relationship with players and stuff. We understand that. But even in press releases or in Twitter releases, Mr. Rohit Sharma, who yeah. has been speaking to the media, Mr. Virat Kohli, Mr. Arshdeep Singh, or who, what, just lose that formality. You know, you're not, you're not addressing somebody in parliament or, you know, yeah. It just we we all know who Roy Sharma it's is. We know he's a man, culture. right? You know, it's star culture. Yeah, it's just yeah. like oh, these guys are like God. Mm. Well, yeah. call them Shri yeah. then. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just it annoys me to the max. Stuff like that. It's just not that we don't have respect for the players. Of course we do, but then it makes them. It's almost like the BCCI telling us that yeah, you mm. can attend a press conference with this guy, but don't forget he's like God compared to you lot. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like it's, that. It should not be like, like that. They are doing us a favor, you know, yeah. that for two seconds you have a no you have a conversation, now you're in the same space with them for two seconds. So you know you should be honored that you're there and something like it's that. It's ridiculous. But when you do actually speak yeah. to them one on one, and I've been lucky to mm. to do that on a number of occasions whenever India have toured here and I've been working for BBC Test Match Special and we we've obviously got the rights um to to cricket in this country on the radio. So you get the post-day interviews at the test and there was, you know, well, this was a challenge as well, trying to get them even to put up interviews with rights holders uh, back in 2018. But that's when I sort of met Moulin and, you know, started to build a rapport and he was kind enough to to bring the players over to me at the end of each day and end of each match and all that kind of stuff. So we finally did get those one to when you speak to these guys and some yeah. of them I've spoken to previously and done pieces with like Pujara and all these guys, but the ones you haven't and you, you think, uh, you know, they don't do much media. They might be arrogant or whatever. They're really nice. They're, they're just normal yeah. guys. They're, they're happy to chat. They know it's part of the the job that they do. They've got to speak to the media and, you know, in a one-on-one chat, they, you know, obviously it's a, at the end of a day's cricket, they might want to rush off because they're tired and whatever. But apart from that, you don't get a sense of that much arrogance from these guys or anything like that. So it's just the BCCI creating this aura around these guys that they're untouchable, they won't speak to you, they're this, they're that, they're God. Really, they're just blokes and... You know, yeah. and even same with the women's side, who is more accessible, obviously, because the BCCI doesn't really care about yeah. that side of things. Um, but you look at England and Australia and, you know, so accessible. England are so, so accessible. So many journalists. I mean, if you if you worked in England and you were covering the covering the England men's team, you'd get loads of one-to-ones through the year just by having that relationship with Danny Rubin and him being conscious of the fact that he has to put up a certain amount of players to the written press as well as rights hold rights holding broadcasters um yeah. so it's just a bit of give and take and there is none of that with the bcci so yeah let, let's see what happens anyway yeah. with with the uh re-election and uh you know see if if we do get some change or if it is going to be uh sort of ganguly and, and jay shah uh and we'll of course keep you up to date here on uh, 99.94 Uh, with all the latest goings on from Indian cricket. But that's all we've got time for on this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, do get in touch with us. Do leave your reviews on whether it be Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever it might be, YouTube. Just 
just send us some nice comments if if you like what we're doing. Uh, if if you don't like what we're doing, let us know as well, and and we'll we'll try and talk about what you want to talk about if it's uh, relevant to this uh, conversation of Indian cricket. Uh, but that's all for now. Do join us next time. Thanks for listening to India on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from where you get your apps usually. And you can follow us personally on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nikesh Raghani and Sarah is at Swaris16. We'll put links up for everything we do there on this podcast and beyond. And you can also follow our network at 99.94DM on social media. Remember, if you love cricket, then we are the home of Cricket Audio. Follow us for podcasts and commentary from the bat and ball world. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation 99.94. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.